Good morning, Upstate Church. Man, it's so good to be able to worship with you today. It's my thrill to be able to introduce you to our special guest, John Avant, president of Life Action Ministries. Now, Life Action Ministries is actually going to come and have an event here at our church in 2022, and we're looking ahead to that, but you get to hear straight from their president today. Now, John has been married to his wife, Donna, for over 30 years, during which time he's pastored several of the greatest churches in America. In addition, he served as the vice president for the North American Mission Board, and he's also authored several books, one of which you're going to have the opportunity uh, to purchase off of our Facebook page today, and so make sure you look out for that. The book is Yes Changes Everything. Now, while all of this is really commendable and, and a reason to uh, celebrate John's being here, none of that's why I invited him here to speak to you. In fact, you know that we've been praying for revival and renewal for a long time, and God really just impressed upon my heart. John really has a hunger, obviously, for spiritual renewal, spiritual awakening and revival, unlike any that I've really uh, seen before. And I, I really want you to hear his voice. And so I've been praying that God would use him today to speak to you and to me, that God would, would truly speak through John. And so I want you to join me during this time and pray that God would plant seeds of revival inside the hearts of all of our upstate church members and that even leaning into the fall when we're going through expansion and, and just God bringing a lot of new things into our ministries, that we would truly experience a renewal unlike any time in our lives. And I pray we could look back and say it started today. So no matter what campus you're on today, I want you to join me in welcoming our special guest, Dr. John Avant. Thank you, Wayne, and just great to be here with everybody. I can't tell you how much I've looked forward to this. I love your pastor. I had a chance to serve with him in, uh, in, in Georgia, and, uh, and as we've been talking and sharing, uh, I've been so excited about what's going to come. I'm glad to be here with you today. What I'm really excited about is what we'll experience together next year. Four years ago, um, I, I left the church most pastors would dream of, of pastoring, but I couldn't stay one more minute, not in that church, but in any in any church as pastor, because God spoke directly to my heart that there is a season coming of great revival and awakening in this nation, and that my role in that, however small it might be, is to encourage and help and inspire and equip not one church, but as many churches as God will take me to, to be a part of that great move of His Spirit. And, and, and so God led my wife and I to leave behind everything that we know and, and love living in one place, pastoring in one place. Now I travel about 200 days a year overseas, as you'll hear some about today, but mostly in North America because at Life Action, what we believe is God wants to bring an authentic move of his spirit that will change the American church and then change the American nation. There is no chance to change our nation unless the church in America experiences a great awakening. And that's all we do at Life Action. We seek to serve churches in such a way that creates a context for that to happen. So when we come back next year, uh, we're gonna bring a, a preschool experience, children, students, worship, teaching, and give you a chance to stop and say, God, speak to me and bring revival to my life and to my church. But let's not wait. Let's get started now with what God wants to do in your life and my life. 
I had no clue when I went to Life Action four years ago that a couple of years later we would enter the most strategic time of opportunity in the history of the American church, but also the most dangerous time in the history of the American church. COVID has brought us to a place where I believe we are now facing the great reformation of the church in America. Now, I don't think there's any question that we're in reformation. The question is, what will the church in America reform into? That's not been decided yet, and that's up to you, and that's up to me. You at every campus, you right here in this worship center, each one of us has a choice. Are we going to try to go back to the old normal, which was killing us? It didn't take COVID to bring the church in America into decline. We were in steep, drastic spiritual decline and deep, dark sickness in the church in this nation long before COVID. But COVID brought everything to a head and now we face critical decisions. Are we going to allow the new normal of God's reviving power to enter our lives and our churches and change us forever or just try to go back to what was? And that will determine, I believe, whether we see in these last days God move powerfully here in this nation or whether we go the route of Western Europe and God takes our candlestick away from the church in this country. Now, here's some great news. We're living in the greatest spiritual awakening of all time right now. And some of you, knowing the, the sickness of our culture, I might think, well, he's lost his mind. Well, well, listen, here's the problem. You have to get on an airplane to see it. But all across the third world, all across the persecuted church world, God is rocking the world. Revival is spreading in ways. I wish I had time to tell you all about it, but let me just give you one statistic that proves my point. In the last 15 years, more Muslims have come to Jesus than in the previous 15 1,500 years, and I've seen this with my eyes. I've seen experiences across the world in so many countries that just leaves me weeping and saying, God, I, I wanna be a part of this. I don't wanna live the rest of my life only telling stories of what you're doing somewhere else. I wanna see it in my own country. What about you? Do you want to get in on what God is doing in the rest of the world? Then you cannot be a part of the old normal. You're going to have to join a new church, and it's this one. The new church that God leads you to become. He's given you the pastor you need, the leadership you need. Will you follow them into the new normal of revival that is the only hope for the church in this country and the only hope for this country itself? When my... Um, <clears throat> Children were very young. We took them to, to Disney World, saved our pennies and took them. And I'll ne never forget an experience that happened uh, at the airport on the way. My little, my little son was, I think he was four years old, something like that. And he was so excited. He had Mickey Mouse ears that he was wearing to the airport. And, and we're sitting there ready to board. Everybody's excited. And then, then uh, they announced the boarding. And I, I said to my family, come on, it's time to get on the plane. And my little son, Trey, said, I don't want to get on the plane. And I said, well, we have to get on the plane so we can go to Disney World. And he said, I don't want to get on the plane. And he starts screaming there in, in the, in right in the middle of the airport terminal. And uh, I thought, I've spent a ton of money on this 
thing and I grabbed him by the hand. I said, you're getting on the plane. And I'm dragging him. I don't want to get on the plane. Daddy, I don't want to get on the plane. And I drug him into the plane, sat him in his seat. And he looked up at me and he's smiling and happy as he can be. I said, son, what is wrong with you? He said, daddy, I didn't want to get on the plane. I wanted to get in the plane. Sometimes with kids, you've just got to be really literal. Now, now listen, listen, I think, I think Jesus feels this way about his church. He's hanging on to the outside of the plane and he's saying, will you let me in? I'm supposed to be the pilot of this thing. And if you keep flying it, you're going to crash it and it's going to burn and it's going to be wrecked. But if we let him in, he's going to take us to a beautiful place in the church in this country title of this message is Yes Changes Everything. We're a pretty simple ministry. It's not rocket science what we teach. We just teach that God says some very specific things in his word and by the power of his spirit, we can obey him. We can say yes. And it changes everything. My wife and I have written a book to that effect. We believe in the message so much that hearing God and saying yes changes everything. We've sunk our whole life into it. I I have one, one message for you today. And I said, Lord, what is it? What do you want me to say? I've never preached a message quite like this one. So I hope it's from him and not from me. But I want you to open your Bibles to Revelation chapter three, verses 14 through 20. I asked the Lord, what is your primary message to the church in America today? I don't think there's any more appropriate message to his church in this country than the message he gave to the church of Laodicea. In many ways, we are the church of Laodicea in the church of America today. Listen to the word of God. And to the angel of the church in Laodicea, write, the words of the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation. I know your works. You're neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. So because you're lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I'll spit you out of my mouth. For you say, I'm rich, I've prospered, I need nothing, not realizing you're wretched and pitiable and poor and blind and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich and white garments so that you may clothe yourself and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen and salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. So be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come into him and eat with him and he with me. Now, this is addressed to the angel of the church at Laodicea. The word angel also means messenger. And most scholars believe, I I believe, that this is actually addressed to the pastor and to the leaders of the church. Sometimes there was a pastor and a a leader of the church in that day that might be the the home, the owner of the home in which they they met. But you know what, right now, all all of you that are here are leaders. Cultural Christianity is being killed off by COVID. That's a great thing. I'll help bury it. It's not the church. And so anybody today that's actually faithfully a part of a local church, you are a leader. This is God's message to every one of us. Now there's something about this passage that's always kind of confused me until the Lord, I think, gave me a better interpretation of it. I've always wondered why would the Lord want somebody to be cold 
instead of at least lukewarm. Wouldn't lukewarm be halfway to where you want to be with Jesus? So I started looking for an answer to this. And, and I thought when I did the research of, of the city of Laodicea, I had found it, but it was so different than the way I had previously interpreted this. I had to dig into some commentaries and found out I'm not the only one that, that thinks that this is the correct interpretation. I think to understand this passage, you need to understand that Laodicea was one of three cities that lived so close to Together, they functioned in many ways together. Let me tell you about these, these three cities. Uh, Colossae was one of the cities, the city to whom we, have, we get the, the letter of Colossians, the book in the Bible called Colossians. Now, Colossae happened to have a tremendous water supply. In fact, if you go there to the ruins today, you will still be able to see and drink from, if you want, an incredible spring coming right out of the rock, and it is ice cold. People would come from miles around just to drink the water of Colossae. Now, that was 10 miles away from Laodicea. Five miles away from Laodicea was the city of Hierapolis. Now, Hierapolis was the opposite. Hierapolis had volcanic conditions underground in that city. And, and as a result, the water bubbling up in Hierapolis was mineral water. It was hot, steaming, and people would come there to get healing. They'd come and sit in the, in the natural hot tubs. Oh, wow. And they made medicine from the sulfur mud, actually effective eye medicine. So people would come everywhere to, to get healed there. But Laodicea had no clean water supply. Laodicea had only a dirty river. They didn't know why, but people got sick from drinking the water. And so they had to have a better water supply. And so what they did was they built an aqueduct. It was too far to build it from Colossae. That would have been great. So they built it instead from Hierapolis. And by the time the water got five miles on an aqueduct, it was no longer hot healing mineral water, something you might make some good hot tea out of. What was it? Yeah, it was lukewarm. Everybody listening understood in Laodicea how horrible, lukewarm mineral water was. It made you sick. I don't think Jesus was saying, I, I, I wish you were, were hot or cold, meaning one of those is, is, is good and one is bad. I think Jesus was saying, I want you to be both. I want you to be like the hot healing water of Laodicea. And I want you, or, or, or of Hierapolis, and I want you to be like the cold, refreshing water of Colossae. But if you're like the water of Laodicea, then you are lukewarm and it's making me sick. Think about the life and mission of Jesus. He was always healing. He was always refreshing and bringing the coolness of refreshing water. The living water of Jesus was even his illustration for the woman at the well. I believe the call of Jesus to the church of our day, to a church that Jesus says has been so lukewarm that it makes him sick. Laodicea, Unfortunately, the church in America, the call of Jesus is, it's time to make a decision to join my mission. And my mission is to bring the cool, refreshing, living water to the world. My mission is to bring healing and life to the sickness and death of the world. And the church in America had settled into church as self-fulfillment, and we forgot the mission of Jesus. And he's calling us 
to rejoin him. Everyone needs a mentor in their life. I have one. Uh, his name is Gary Witherall. Gary Witherall is my spiritual coach. In 2002, he and his wife were missionaries in Lebanon and his wife was murdered by an Al-Qaeda terrorist. When Gary heard that his wife had been shot at the clinic where she worked, he ran to the clinic. He ran in to find his wife and try to rescue her. And, and instead, he knew there was no hope left. He found her lying in a pool of, of blood. And Gary told me that at that moment, the Lord spoke to him and said, if you don't worship me now, you might not worship again. If you don't forgive the man who did this now, you might never forgive. And Gary got down on his face and stretched his hands out and put his hands in the blood of his wife. And he sang and he worshiped and he forgave the man who did it. And about a year and a half or so later, I remarried him to the granddaughter of a man named Roger Udarian, one of the missionaries who was martyred with Jim Elliott, if you know the story of the movie, The End of the Spear. And now they are missionaries going back to the same people, the same culture that killed Gary's first wife. He is an amazing servant of the Lord. And he and I go together to the places in the world where God is moving in the Muslim world. We see it with our eyes. And, and one day before COVID, we were walking through a, a, a city. It's one of the holiest cities of Islam. There's no Christians, no church, no missionaries. And Gary and I were looking around and Gary said, look, everybody you know is going to hell. Everybody you see rather is going to hell. We can start anywhere we want. I said, yeah, Gary, but what if they kill us? You've already lost your wife. Our wives don't need to lose a husband. And he grabbed my arm. I'll never forget what he said. He said, John, today we get to be Paul and Silas. He said, we are immortal until Jesus is done with us. Let's go have an adventure. Now listen, church, this is God's time calling his people to the great adventure of the reformation of the church in America. Who is ready to join the new church that God is making and say with Jesus, I'm gonna follow you. I'm not gonna live in fear and anger and confusion. I am going forward with you on your mission. I'm immortal until you're finished with me and I'm not stepping back or sitting down or hiding in the basement. It is time for the people of God to go on the next great adventure. Will you say yes? Yes, changes everything. But the church in America, Jesus said, you've been like Laodicea. You've, you've been self-satisfied. You know, it's interesting. Jesus said, hey, you think you're fine. You're, you're, you're rich. You got nice clothing. You know, you, you think you're seeing very well. It was all things that they knew well in their culture. Remember, eye medicine. They were a banking community, very wealthy. They were also the fashionista capital of the world. They raised a particular kind of sheep there that made a garment that the wealthiest people in the world wanted. And so Jesus, Jesus said, you think those things make you healthy, but, but there's something that is so lukewarm about you. You're neither refreshing people or, or healing people. It's all about you. And Jesus said, it's making me sick. And when Jesus gets sick in the scripture, it's not so much that he's angry. 
In Matthew, when he, when, he, when he looked at the crowds and he saw them like sheep without a shepherd, he, it, the, the word he uses, he got sick to the stomach with compassion. Jesus is looking at his church today and he's saying, I want to raise up a remnant church that will join the great revival in this world that I intend to bring. But it's not yet clear whether we're going to join him. The church in Iran is seeing perhaps the greatest spiritual awakening of history. There were almost no Christians uh, a, a decade or two ago in Iran. And, and, and now if I had time to tell you what missionaries whose salaries you pay, what God is doing there, it is unbelievable. There, there may be 3 million Christians in Iran. There's at least a million. God is rocking the nation of Iran with the gospel. Two Iranians were able to escape, a couple. And they went to Europe and then they ended up in America. And when they got to America, they had come to know Jesus in Iran. They could not wait. And they made a decision that every single day they were going to an American church because they're free. They can worship. They're going to go to a Bible study. They're going to go to a worship service, something every day. And they did it for two months. And after two months, the wife turned to the husband and she said, honey, there's a demonic lullaby playing in the churches of this country. She said, Christians here are sleepy, and now I'm getting sleepy. She said, let's go home. And they returned to Iran. They would rather have revival with the possibility of death or prison than to miss it and have freedom. What about you? How important is it to you to see the powerful work of the Spirit of God in our day? The Lord said to the church of Laodicea and to the church in America in verse 19, some very good news. He said, those whom I love, I reprove and dis discipline. So far, God has not abandoned us. He's not, he's not taking our candlestick away yet. There are churches like this that are hungry and ready for God to do something. And the Lord has a message for you. He says, I love you. That's why I'll discipline you, but I won't leave you alone. I'm calling you to repent. And the word repent means to turn and go a different direction. And he says, do it in a zealous way. It means with passion. It is time to passionately say, Jesus, I don't want the old normal. I want to be a part of what you're doing in the world. Do you hear him? Do you hear Jesus knocking? Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. John, who wrote the revelation, he heard it personally. See, the gospel of Matthew tells us Jesus was the last one to arrive at the, the Passover meal, what we call the Lord's Supper. So John hears the knock. Jesus wants in. And he comes in and he finds his best friends fussing and fighting because nobody wanted to wash their feet. Now, feet, washing your feet then was more important than you might think. It wasn't just religious symbolism. Back then, the sewer was also the gutter in the middle of a street. People would just come and, and dump their bathroom bucket in the middle of the street. And because of that, in those dry conditions, you're walking around and all that stuff is drying out and blowing around. And you literally had bacteria and sewage between your toes. If you didn't wash your feet and brought it into your house, you got sick. So Jesus comes into his people. They're arguing about who's the greatest and no, nobody's gonna wash feet. And Jesus, the king of the universe, takes a towel and a basin and he kneels down 
and he starts washing the sewage from between the toes of his, of his friends. And he stands up. He says, now you go do what I'm doing. That's what Jesus is saying to the church today. He's saying, it's time to follow me, to truly follow me. This moment matters so much. Not some moment in the future. I'm excited about next year. This moment right now matters because Jesus is knocking on the door. This is not a word for lost people. This is a word for the church. Do you hear him? He's knocking on the door of your own heart. He's saying, I wanna come in and I wanna do something fresh and new. How would you say yes to God? How would you repent and turn a new direction? Well, I've got three suggestions to, for you and it doesn't matter what I suggest. I think these three suggestions are just what Jesus does. It's how Jesus refreshes like the cool water of Colossae. It's how Jesus heals like the hot water of Hierapolis. And there are three things that each of you can choose, if you will. And I think they fit very well with what your pastor and leaders have been leading you to before COVID. And now as you come out of this season and God opens this door of opportunity for revival, normally what he does is he finds a place in this part of a nation, this part of a nation, and over here and over here. He's done it in our country many times. And and, and we call it great spiritual awakening when, when those pockets begin to come together. Who's going to be the pocket of revival? the real church, the church that actually follows Jesus right here in this region. It could be you. Here's some ways to go with Jesus on his mission. Number one, serve Jesus. Serve Jesus. You cannot follow Jesus and be an observer. I don't wanna hurt your feelings, but as, as we're coming out of COVID, a lot of people just wanna sit back. Man, I just need to be fed. I need to be fed. I need to be fed. That is one of the single worst things that any Christian in this country can ever say. I wanna challenge you. Never, ever, ever, ever again say it. Don't go out and say, well, I didn't get fed today. I wish the sermon had been different. I didn't get fed today. We have so much in the church in this country. Everybody needs to go at least once and see the persecuted church with what we have in this country. We're about a thousand Bible verses overweight. We don't need to be fed one more moment. This church is not meant to be a fast food restaurant. This church is meant to be a chef school to raise up those who will feed others. It is time for no more observers in the church of Jesus Christ. If you don't know what your calling is to serve the Lord through this church, you need to ask somebody and get to work for Jesus What is it that God has gifted you to do? You're needed here. And it's time to serve Jesus. Number two is to share the mission of Jesus. Share the mission of Jesus. Jesus said, the son of man came to seek and save the lost. He didn't come to see how long he could sit in church. This, the word church, by the way, means called out in Greek, not called in. All right, this is actually not church. I don't know if you know this, wherever you are, whatever campus you're in, if you're sitting here in this room, you're not in church. The word church means called out. You're in worship. This is, a, this is the gas station for the spiritual vehicle of the mission of Jesus. You can't do without it, fills you up, but then you go. You don't park your car at the gas station and the Lord is calling you now to go with him on his mission. I have an atheist friend named Lauren Sandler. And one day she told me something stunning. 
She said, you know, I'm very interested in Jesus, but I, I, Christians won't talk to me about Jesus. I don't understand it. And I was with my daughter. I don't spend time with women uh, alone. And my daughter was with me sharing with Lauren. And, and we, we said, what, what do you mean, Lauren? And she said, well, all Christians want to talk about is politics. She said, I'm an atheist, but I, maybe Jesus is who he said he was. I don't know, but I'm interested in him. And I can't find Christians except for you guys that want to talk to me about Jesus. Broke my heart. I said, Lauren, I want you to come to my church. She said, what? I want you to, I, I'm going to interview you in my church. And I brought her to the church. And I had her share with our people what she shared with me. And they were blown away and broken. The altar was full because they knew it was true. They spent all their time talking about politics and who ought to be president. Let me tell you, there is nobody meant to save us but Jesus. Nobody. And if we spend all of our time talking about politics, the lost world is wondering if we really believe in Jesus at the end of that service, our whole church gathered around Lauren. All of them were saying, I'll tell you about Jesus. Come to lunch with our family. We're so sorry. We had to rescue her from all the Baptists. It's time to share Jesus. It's not that hard to join him on mission. Your pastor will equip you. Your church will equip you. But we cannot go back to church designed just for us anymore. And, and the, the third action step is to celebrate Jesus. The two greatest times of growth in the history of the Christian church have been at, toward the end and just after global pandemics. I wish I had time to go into the details of that. You can study it for yourself. The plague of Cyprian, the Justinian plague. You know why? Because the, the leaders of the people of God declared festivals. They said, it's time for joy. If people see joy in us, when everybody around them is dying, if people see us healing the sick and caring for the broken and sharing the gospel, they'll run to Jesus, and they did. And they won the Roman Empire because they didn't hide in their basements. They took the gospel to a hurting world. And when people looked at them, they might think they were weird, but they saw people of joy and celebration. This moment on Sunday is not optional for the new church of revival, the reformed church coming out of COVID. You need to Make a commitment and tell your family, Sunday morning, we celebrate the king. And then you get yourself in a small group. The, the church is going to move forward by the vehicle of small groups. And small groups that say, we don't exist to learn the Bible better. Now you're talking to somebody that believes in the inerrancy of scripture. But the Pharisees knew the Bible. Jesus is calling you to do the Bible. You got to know it to do it. But we can't have any more of small groups that go 20 years and never see anybody come to Jesus. We are called to serve him and called to share his mission. And then we're called to celebrate him here on Sunday morning and in a small group that helps us to go to the ends of the earth and across the street with a message of Jesus. 26 years ago, I saw God change a whole city. We come back, I'll tell you more about it. Brownwood, Texas, in 1995, God broke in to a church and brought revival and everything changed. And then he moved on the campus of Howard Payne University and everything changed. He, he broke the divisions of our church and our city. He, he healed the racial divisions. He saved people like we had never seen and brought a, a joy we had never experienced. And it spread to 100 college campuses and countless churches across this nation. This fall, the new president of Howard Payne University 
is inviting me to lead a life action team back for three days for that campus to cry out to God again. The church where I serve is inviting us back the next week to do the same. The president of Howard Payne University was a student on his knees during that revival. Revival changes lives forever. And oh, by the way, the revival in Iran, a missionary whose salary you pay, one of the ones God is using in the great revival there, he was the student God used to begin that movement at Howard Payne University. If not you, then who? If not here, then where? God wants to bring the next great move of his spirit and he's looking for a people that'll say yes to him. And I wanna tell you, you have everything you need to be that people, but it's up to you. Yes changes everything and so does no. And you have to decide. Now look, I know this is a challenging message and what you face is hard. Life is hard these days and it may get harder. But I tell you, you have everything you need. One of the reasons I'm so glad to be here in this place is just 10 minutes or so from here in October, my mother went to be with Jesus. My brother, here for one of our services, he uh, he's a pediatric ICU specialist at the hospital here. Maybe he saved the life of some of your kids. Loves the Lord. But my mother was in a COVID ward, even though she had no symptoms of COVID. And we were not allowed to be with her while she died. It was horrible. It was heartbreaking. But when she was in her last hours and unconscious, really, uh, they finally let my sister, one person, come in. She had 15 minutes, and she decided to use that time singing over my mother the song that was played when I was saved, the song that was played when she made her profession of faith, my mother's favorite song, the song that has changed our whole family. And as she began to sing, turn your eyes upon Jesus, my mother opened her eyes and whispered, more. For 15 minutes, Cindy sang, and when my mother, my, my sister, her time was up, my mother opened her mouth and with her last word, breathed and spoke with my sister the name Jesus. And shortly thereafter went to be with him. We'll never forget it. We praise God for that moment in this past year let me tell you, in that one song, you have everything you need. Everything you need is right there. Turn your eyes upon Jesus, not upon anybody else. No president or politician, no person. Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, his face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim. In the light of his glory and grace. And that is all you need. Say yes. It changes everything. And Lord, I pray right now in these moments of decision that your people in this great church would say yes to you and that you would give them everything they need to join the great revival coming from your spirit in the days ahead. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.